Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing. I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. With me, hashtag full squad, DJ Marcus here. Hey. Kid Presentable's here. Thanks for having me. Lavender Gooms is here. Hello. Boys and girls, we are here to talk to you about some mixed martial arts. But more importantly, DJ Mark, we're here to talk to you about some fucking... Bare knuckle boxing, yeah, throwing hands with no exactly. gloves. <laughs> exactly. Um, but first off, we got to talk about a man who went out there, talked a mountain of shit, and got knocked the fuck out. Um, let's talk about it this. Hard, it was a bad weekend for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a <laughs> Stefan Struve like KO. Fair enough. Um, so let's talk about uh. James Vick was on a roll, guys. James Vick had won a lot of fights. Quite frankly, he deserved this big matchup. And he talked so much shit about Justin Gaethje. Talking about Justin Gaethje, you know, is the is the Homer Simpson of MMA. And he sucks. And I'm not he's not going to touch me. And blah, 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 blah. Well, Marcus, uh, James Vick's wonderful strategy of using head movement to avoid punches kind of stopped working when he ran out of a cage to lean back against or line out of room to lean back against when he hit the cage huh yeah um i mean watching the fight a second time you can kind of see uh where justin was planning to make his big assault and, and that was against the cage and, and rightfully so that's really the only place you're going to be able to catch a, a big fighter a tall fighter like uh james vick when um james himself was utilizing his reach pretty well he was using a lot of front kicks a lot of round kicks he landed some good kicks to the liver um, to try to keep Justin at bay, but um, throughout the you know the first minute and thirty seconds that we saw of this fight, um, Justin was able to press forward, get James up against the cage, and he tested him with a few different outs. You know, first he was throwing low jabs to the body, and then would go up with a big left hook to the hand. He wasn't finding much success there. Um, a little bit later into the fight, when he got up against the cage, he started throwing uh, left hand and overhand right. Um, and that one, that first exchange that he threw a three punch combination with a left hook, right hook, left hook, um, missed, um, the second chance where he threw it, he landed a little bit with the left hook and James kind of reared back trying to get that distance. He didn't have, um, left himself open for a big overhand, right? Um, it was a one punch knockout, uh, you know, a spectacular win for Justin and, and really going into this fight, you know, both of these fighters really needed this win. Um, Justin obviously coming off of. Two extremely exciting but hard-fought and lost uh, fights against uh, Poirier and uh, Eddie Alvarez. Um, Jane, James Vick, on the other hand, had a lot of momentum going to this fight, but he needed a big marquee name um, on his win column to really solidify him as a contender. So they both really needed this fight, but I feel like this turnout for Justin is couldn't have dreamed of a better victory for him because I think not only did he need to get a W here to obviously kind of steer the ship back in the in the correct direction, but he needed a fight where he didn't take a lot of damage because I think even more so than the conversations of is, you know, can Justin uh, compete against the top, uh, top competition? 
I think a lot of the conversation were is like how long can Justin Gaethje's career last when he's in these barn burners just getting beaten for three to four rounds. So to have him fight a guy like James Vick, get the knockout queen, click, uh, clean, quick, and uh, precise like this is exactly what the doctor ordered. Not only just to, you know, correct all the, um, the momentum shift that he had going on negatively in his career, but, you know, t- to get a good paycheck here and not have, you know, brain hemorrhaging. So, uh, you know, big win for Justin. Uh, a-, a tough loss for James Vick. Um, you know, obviously, I think the narrative around him right now is that he's getting the wins he needs, but not those big marquee ones. He dropped a, uh, a knockout loss very similar to this one against uh, Darush. And now it's kind of like, you know, can, can James Vick kind of climb that mountain? Can he beat the top echelon? You know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but he couldn't get it done on this night against Justin. Yeah. Um, J- James, I think uh, Justin Gaethje, they said, has four performance bonuses in his four fights. Maybe five. Did, did he get one on this one, too? Did oh, yeah, man. You knock a man out in a minute. You're going to. You're gonna be. You're gonna get a, a couple extra bucks in that. You know, a couple extra bucks in that envelope at the end of the night. Trust see how many he's got. He's got. He's got f- five. Every fight he's had in the UFC, he has five in four fights. Did he get two with Eddie? With Michael Johnson. Okay, because he won. He got performance he won, in yeah. the fight. Um, I love Justin Gaethje. I'm the. I was the one most excited for him to join the UFC, and um, a lot of people, Steph, it seemed like they were saying that like uh, the last two fights with J- Dustin and Eddie meant he wasn't he could his style wasn't going to work in the ufc um we talked about it last week where we were saying well maybe it means his style just doesn't work against the guys who are at the very very top and i think we saw that you know justin gaethje can still do his thing you know if a guy's hanging out between you know five and ten in the rankings huh i mean yeah i think that's what we were really saying is it was it was a test of is Justin Gaethje exposed? Is James comma is James Vick a legit contender? Um, and both of those were answered a little bit because, you know, what's damning for Vick is neither of these guys have a lot of losses. But what's damning for Vick is he got knocked out with the same exact punch, that same exact overhand right that uh, Dariush caught him with. So you know he's got things to shore up. And yeah, maybe that's just what it is with Gaethje. It's not cut out for the top echelon, and we've seen a lot of fighters like that. Hell, Michael Bisping was that fighter for like 95% of his career. He just couldn't get over that final hump, that final elite echelon. Um, but yeah, like when I looked at Justin Gaethje's record and I saw him walk out and show, it showed he's 18 and 2 in the tail of the tape, I'm like, I misspoke saying he's exposed. It's not that severe. But um, like Mark said, it's great that he, he fought a clean fight. Um, you know, I, I give credit to Vic. I think he was doing all right. I think he was circling for the first half of that round. It wasn't until he just started backing up straight that he got knocked out. Uh, he had a very beautiful body kick, jab, body kick, jab, like four strike combo. And it stung uh, Gaethje. And that was the moment where I'm like, see, this is what Vic needs to do. He's, he's using his front kicks. He's using his jabs. And that's what I gave him credit for. He uses his range well. Um, but yeah, it just ended up being too much. And he back against the fence and that overhand right. Like if you look at that Dariush fight, it's the exact same spot in the mat. It's the exact same him crumbling like a tall tower. Um, so it's 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 a hole in his game. He's gonna need to overcome if he really wants to make his mark in the top ten. Yeah, um, big win for Justin Gaethje. He got to do his backflip. He got he made sure he got that in real quick before the commission stopped him. Mike perform too. What? Fit flip back into the cage. That was more impressive. That was pretty impressive too. Yeah, I thought he was going to eat it when he went to go see his family and friends when he went over the front there at first. 
Um, Mike, did you make it to the main event? Because God, the UFC does not does no favors to people on the East Coast. I uh, I did somehow. Um, I was awake enough for the main event, and thankfully it was short enough that I promptly. Yeah, I was talking to right you afterwards. I, I was talking to you. I don't know why I even said anything. Yeah, you were I fucking thrilled, I, weren't you? <laughs> I think I sent a text saying "Big Tree, go boom." Oh, indeed he did. Um, uh, what do you want to see Justin yeah. Gaethje do next? We're gonna see him against another guy at the very tip, uh, very top. You know, we're thinking Kevin Lee, or what? What do you think? We give him a a guy who he can, you know, we can have another war with. <laughs> I think what we've learned is that. Justin Gaethje's too good, maybe for the likes of uh, of a James Vick. We got to throw him in with another top five guy. Uh, so far, he's one and two against that caliber of opponent. So we need to see what happens. I mean, he's earned with this highlight reel knockout. He's earned he's earned an opportunity to to try again against one of the uh, higher echelon guys of the division. Can I, can I throw a name out there? I think mm-hmm. would be fun. Right, of course. Even uh, Al Alaquinta. I think that'd be a good one. That's what that that was what this fight was supposed to be. And then, oh, really? Uh, was it? No, I think I, I think Al didn't like the size of his paycheck. But yeah, the what, UFC, what you don't know, Mark, is that you don't know the money, you don't know the weight that Rage and Al is working with. All right, the amount of time that uh, he'll spend in a training camp, he can make his fight purse selling some homes. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I, know I, he I has a little side gig. I love <laughs> I love Rage and Al. He's my favorite. Like I, if for a guy who I know was seems like a giant douche, he's still the biggest fucking the wokest guy in MMA when he talks about this shit, man. It's it's great. Um, Ooh, I think I, out, who would you slot in? I think I, the loser of Nate and Dustin would ooh, be a good fight. Uh, I, well, not Dustin. If it, if it if it's if it's if it's Dustin, no. But if it's Nate, Wait, but honestly, yeah, I, I'm yeah, gonna actually, assuming Nate Diaz is gonna fight after this fight. If it's not Conor McGregor, Ugh, if he loses. I think if he loses, he'll still want to fight Connor. <laughs> I, I well, has Nate not fought in two years? Because I'm already I'm half talked myself into picking Nate already. No, he has not. He yeah, has I've not already, fought I, since August twenty. I, I have a fundamental problem picking against the Diaz brothers in a fight where I know the other guy's not going to take him down. And it doesn't mean I mean it's like, and that's not it doesn't mean they win those fights necessarily. But like in my head, I'm like, if he's not going to get taken down, he will find a way to win this shit. But I don't know. We'll see. Him and Al would be a good fight too. I want that fight now. Al hits hard. Be a good fight. You know, we'll. Uh, they're we'll they're both scrappy. You know, they they would just have a great fight. I, I yeah. hope I hope they can make that one come to fruition. I know Al, you know, wants a lot of money, and I think rightfully so. I think him and Justin both deserve a good paycheck for that fight because I think it's going to be barn burners, and I would hope that they could sell pay per views or something. I mean, you put you slot those guys as a co main, you can give me a garbage title fight, and I'm excited for that card. Yeah. Um, we'll how about uh, how about Nate Diaz beefing with uh, Bruce Buffer? That's uh, yeah. That was a whole thing. That's how you sell a fight, boys. Uh, when Bruce has to announce him, he's gonna do it from outside the octagon. <laughs> I, I would love it if Bruce like really half heartedly announced like from Stockton, California. Uh, Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz. Yeah. <laughs> and he just runs. You, you know, you, you, we cut to a camera shot of Bruce trying to get into a cab. Just yelling into the camera from Stockton, California. Nate Diaz, deuces. He leaves. Um, co-main event, uh, just real quick. Michael Johnson, Andre Feely. Mark and I, I remember we were watching. We both had it for Andre Feely, but it was a close fight. I think my biggest takeaway from this fight, and we're going to get a move on to more relevant fights because there's a lot of fights to go through, is really that I thought Andre Feely fought a kind of smart fight. And I really don't like Michael Johnson at this weight class because he looks... I don't think he's doing himself any favors. He I don't has think he no was. Power. I don't. He has no power this weight class. 
He doesn't. He looks like he looked even. He looked still drained after he put weight back on. He was a good fighter at lightweight, man. He just like made mental mistakes. Like he's he won a this good fight with a left straight that was on point the whole match, but it did no damage. Like yeah. he probably landed that left straight on Andre Feely like 12, 15 times, and Andre did not look like he was rocked at all. I, I think this weight cut just really drains a lot of his power, which is really unfortunate. Uh, next fight was going of what you were saying though, Bob. I, I got Feely. He looked bigger. He's filling yeah. out. He kind of was a little scrawny beanpole when he first showed up, but uh, the kid is filling out. I mean, it makes sense that he's been having better fights, but what's up with that split decision? 29-28, 29-28, and 30-27 to Feely? That's, it's, it's weird when split decisions happen like completely like yeah, that. Yeah, when we have another one coming on, I mean, this... Yeah, I mean, Andre also, yeah, when, when the fight started, I turned to Mark and I said, if you had to guess which one of these guys used to fight at 155, it was not going to be Michael Johnson. Like, Andre looked like a big guy. I'm, I'm at the point with Andre Feely now where I think he's just going to be in the UFC for a long time. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's just going to be around. Like he's like not going to win man. anything. He's, he's going to be around, like, best case Chris Lytle. You know? That type of thing. You know? I've said this about other fighters. I think he needs a different camp. Um, Alpha Male doesn't really train to his strengths as a fighter. Um, I yeah. think he needs someone that could actually suit his style better if he yeah. wants. He wants I to also take don't... I also don't know how serious. I mean, he's also acting. He is like he raps. I don't know. I mean, how serious he takes those two things. So Andre touchy feely. Yeah, I listened to one of his things. I mean, I didn't I didn't hate it. It wasn't really my thing though. Um, Courtney Casey, Angela Hill. I thought Courtney Casey won, but it was such a coin flip of a fight. I didn't really care one way or the other. As much as I like Angela Hill, Angela Hill has zero power. Marcus, like none. Like yeah, absolutely I, I zero mean- power. Steph made an interesting point with Andre Felix. I feel the same way with Angela Hill. I feel like she has really tried to adapt the style that Dominic Cruz has taken, which is which has worked for Dominic, but it's just not working for Angela. She is more focused on footwork and positioning than kind of landing those hard fight-ending uh, shots. And I think that's what lost her the fight. I think Courtney Casey, I think all the rounds were really close. Their output was really close, but... Courtney Casey was just hitting harder. She was just doing a little bit more damage. I think that's what edged her out in the decision. Um, we love Angela Hill. She has a good skill set to work with. She just needs to sharpen these tools to really make something of it. But, I mean, for, for a long time with her in the UFC, it was always like, man, they're throwing really tough girls at her. So I'm not – I can't take too much away from some of these losses. But Courtney Casey is the caliber of fighter that I expect her to be able to beat if she's going to make a stay here in the UFC. And I think this no. loss is kind of tough. Mark, I'll push back a bit on that and give a bit more um, uh, credit to Courtney Casey because she lost two very close split decisions before this fight to two top echelon people in the UFC. I can't believe I included Felice Harrigan in that conversation, but she's been on a roll. And, you know, she lost two split decisions to Felice Herrig and Michelle Watterson. So I wouldn't say this was like a benchmark to see if if Angela Hill is any good in the UFC. I think she ran into a very strong opponent. Uh, actual fight itself, eh, I really didn't care too much about it. What I really learned this weekend of Angela Hill is that her podcast is very good. Is there a podcast in addition to the video series? Podcast. I thought it might be one and the same. You no, know, at this point, I'm like my old Dominican parents that no, no, I mean, every video game. I was hoping there was like a Nintendo. weekly thing. That's why I was saying that. I was hoping there was like a I weekly thing. I bet they have thing. an audio version. They got to. I don't think I mean, so. I think no, they but, do more visual stuff. 
um yeah it's funny um she gotta get that youtube money she just i don't think she i mean because adapting the style she did i thought she looked really good in invicta moving around like that but i i maybe she kind of plateaued i don't know steph what do you think i mean it's, it's tough to say you're kind of commenting like on the power and everything and if that never comes along how much can you really do in there you know um she doesn't, have to, she doesn't knock anybody out, but like at least like be a bisping where you snap a head back every now and then. You know what I mean? But like, that's, that's, then that's just credit to what Mark is saying. It might just need to be a different camp, like mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I, I think it's good. You know, it's it's why I never faulted TJ for his thing. Is like you can't get stagnant. You can't get complacent. This is a sport of growth because you stay somewhere too long, someone else is going to come and take the throne from you. You know, you got to keep evolving and. You know, we're we're not really seeing that from her. Um, but she's young. You know, she 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 got cut from the UFC and she got worlds better. You um, know, not that needs to happen again. But hey, it shows that it's possible. She's uh, she ain't that young, bro. She's thirty three. She's thirty three. Yeah, I thought she's like she's, she's thirty one. She's thirty one. No, no whoa, hold on. Her fight mileage is low, though. I think is what Steph might have sure She's thirty three. She's 31. Um, you know what it is? Also, about the fight camp thing, there's other people in that camp where, like, Gustafson moves a little bit like that. Um, Phil Davis has tried to move a little bit like that. And even Phil Davis, like, has did in a few fights, and Gustafson does it all the time, where, like, when it's time to throw hands, they, like, I think the word is uh, sit down on their punches, maybe? Like, they actually, like, they try to get some power behind them. They aren't just moving around tapping people. You don't have to fully... Go full Dominic. You can just use the movement and set yourself up for. Strength. Oh, and it's just really her, her weapons. Are like she has fantastic knees in the clinch. She has good mm-hmm. kicks. Those are really the things that she should try to be utilizing mm-hmm. in the fights. Is getting girls against the cage with the clinch, throwing hard knees to the body. That's what she did so well in Invicta. And I think you know more emphasis on movement and head movement and trying to get out of out of the way of the strikes is a good strategy. But she hasn't quite harnessed that ability where she's taking so little hits that she can hit herself and even though it's not doing much damage still win the fights that's how dominic does it you know dominic's the matador he very rarely gets hit hard he's hitting more often than the other guys hitting him he squeaks out these rounds but like we saw with dominic like we saw with um uh dj when you have this kind of strategy where you're playing you're placating to win rounds by not taking a lot of damage the moment that you take damage or you get taken down you lose that round because you're not doing enough damage yourself you're really winning these rounds by negating damage on you while being more active than the other fighter, once you find a person that clips you once in a round, they win that round. You know, you get clipped once hard. All the only thing the judge is gonna remember is like, yeah, he dropped him with that one. I mean, he might have been moving around the whole time, but he's the only one that did significant damage. So I, I think it, it's a tough strategy. I mean, the way that Dominic fights is like masterclass. You really have to be a master at head movement and footwork to be able to utilize that style efficiently. And I don't think Angela Hill's quite there yet. I think a change of the camp might help her, or she just needs to tighten those skills to the point where she really gets really good at getting out of the way of the strikes and able to implement her own and getting out of the pocket before yeah. she eats. A bit more uh, information on Angela Hill. I did a bit of intrepid reporting, and Wikipedia has her age. as uh, She was born in December of 1986, which would make her 31. 
UFC website has her as 33. Oh, let's get the birth certificate. Was she born yeah, in the United States? There we go. That's what I'm saying. We we may have a Danny Almonte situation here. Oh, she, some... We might have a Dominican on our hands. Uh, we got some weird I shit. I say that because I'm Dominican. I was going to say, that's the thing. Only Mike can get away with that right now. Um, goodbye, Jake Ellenberger, man. Um, I made a joke last week where the UFC is just saving on airfare, doing this in his hometown. But jokes aside, Jake Ellenberger had a good career. And... This game is cruel, man. The fight game is cruel. And you lose it. You go out losing 9 of 10 or whatever the hell it is. 10 of 12. But let's not forget that up until the very gifable moment Stefan likes to bring up when he lost after he lost to Martin Campman, um, Jake Ellenberger was on a fucking roll. And Jake Ellenberger finished Jake Shields. And uh, people don't do that. Um, he strung together one, two, three. For six in a row in the welterweight division, he was that close to a title shot. If he'd gotten past Martin Campman. And uh ends up he was 25 and 27 and 6 after that fight. Ended up 31 and 15. Had a good career, man. Just, you know, Steph, he never got the belt, but happy trails, I guess, to the juggernaut. I mean, he was solid. He was a class act. Never really to my memory, he never popped for anything, never had any scandals. Just a just a professional, you know. Um it's it was ugly at the end. Uh, I watched it a few times to see what happened. Like he had like a delay hurt from like an earlier punch because when he hit the ground, nothing hit him. He just swung back on a punch and just kind of collapsed. Um, yeah, it gets like Bobby said, it gets ugly at the end. Um, but hey, he was a guy I I generally rooted for. Like there was no reason to not to dislike the guy. Um, but yeah, I hope he finds you know his next chapter. Um, because I definitely don't want to see him come back. Um. You know, unless it's in the bare knuckle arena, we will get to that later. Don't worry. No, I don't want to see him come <laughs> bare knuckle arena. I, he might be okay at bare knuckle. You'd be surprised. We'll break it down. Yeah, you'll you'll, you'll see what we watched exactly. <laughs> the only thing he can come back to is Metamorphosis. No striking. I've seen this man <laughs> shut down enough. No more striking of any kind. Fair I, enough. No Jake Ellenberger will be missed. He yeah. holds a place near and dear in my heart since he helped win me money. Oh, yes. And then Mike bothered his family trying to tell him about the money Jake Ellenberger won us. Uh, Eric Anders, uh, Tim Williams. Eric Anders was the biggest favorite on this card, and he spent the majority of this fight, I felt, trying to avoid getting his ass whooped by Tim Williams because it wasn't going well. Um, but it did end with a highlight reel KO because Eric Anders timed to, like, Timed this on a level, which means he wasn't timed at all. He got lucky where it wasn't illegal. Timed a head kick while Tim Williams was getting up and kicked this motherfucker's head into the fifth row. Um, it was awesome. It's a nice big Deadspin article about him. Um, I just look really cool. He better have not lost that fucking fight, though, man. That was gonna be a th that was gonna be a problem. That you can't does not lose look like a minus one thousand favorite. Yeah, that is not what a minus one thousand favorite should look like. Yeah, I mean we're just gonna say KO head kick, but we're gonna we're all gonna forget one day. But the next time we pick this guy, I'm gonna be like, remember when? Remember when? No Wikipedia page. Tim Williams took him to the fucking limit. That's what happened. I think that's where you got to give a lot of credit. I, I think Tim Williams yeah. put up a lot more of a fight than obviously the odd odd makers were giving mm. him. Hey, maybe Eric Anders was just having an off night, but. It was a close fight, you know. I think at that at that point, me and Bobby were really invested in the bare knuckle. Yep. Uh, that was going on, so not all of the attention. But every time we looked over, it was like, "Fuck, Tim's beating him up a little bit. Like he's he's putting work in." And I think the head kick is is a little controversial because he obviously, like like you mentioned, Bobby, like 
it turned out to be okay. But when he started throwing that kick, it was very much illegal. And it wasn't until like the split second it cracked this dude in the dome or it became legal because he lifted his hand. I mean, in retrospect, maybe retardedly, Tim should have just kept his hand his hand on the ground and just got domed because he was going to get domed anyways. He might have left, left his hand and had to be illegal and get a DQ or something. But uh, it's just it was just kind of shitty. It's just like one of those moments where it's like, it was illegal until it cracked his head open, and then it I mean, was fine. And tell me, was it I mean, really legal? Because I feel like the kick lifted. Because when you look at the angle of his body when he is when the connection makes, he's tilted over. If he had lifted his hand, he would fall right down because his body weight is complete. He's not upright. He so never you think the kick lifted the hand. I think the kick lifted the hand. This guy's a or, goddamn. Or magician. it was a flinching hand reaction because he saw that foot, and then his. And just twitched up. Should've fl- he should have fledged. I mean, if the kick never came, had he lifted his hand, he would have fallen at that precise moment because his body was fully tilted over. Stuff. I'm, when a- you were in school, I'm okay you with never it either heard way. Saying uh, you get two for flinching. There you go. I'm I'm okay with it overall. Um, I mean, it was a badass knockout. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I hope I hope I hope, I hope, t- I, hope to, I hope Tim's okay. Yeah, I really um, feel like that's what it is. Uh, this guy don't got a Wikipedia page. How bad can we feel for this uh, no name fighter? Um, a couple of just quick notes. Uh, Warley Alves lost another fight. James Krause took him out. Uh, I think James was kind of winning that shit. I mean, Warley was winning that shit. Um, Yuri Alcantara had that dude in an armbar fucking deep, I think is what it was. It was an armbar. Yeah, it was an armbar triangle then, kind of. Yeah, he, and then he, he got so a, deep and he got out of that shit. And he got his nose broken and he lost. Um, big win for Andrew Sanchez. Uh, he's a guy to keep out for. Mickey Gall. Got a win and um, then called out Sage Northcutt and somebody else. I forgot the other guy, but when he called out Sage Northcutt, I'm like, you beat Sage Northcutt, man. Yeah, we've been um, there. We've done that. Should I get that money? Uh, JoJo Calderwood uh, fighting for her UFC career. Got a big win there. That was uh, huge for her. Nice for us to see that uh, there. And uh, Luke Sanders lost Becky Lynch, and now he lost a UFC fight. Went out there, lost in a minute and 30 seconds by heel hook. Did we skip talking about Figueroa? Because that guy looked good. I did not see that fight, Stefan. Why don't you tell us about Figueroa? <laughs> uh, Davison Figueroa beat the hell out of John Moraga. Like, John Moraga is a very tough guy. He yeah. fought for the title. You know, he he's solid at everything. He's a solid boxer. He knows what he's doing in scrambles. And Figueroa lit him up. Figueroa looks like a contender. For you guys skipping that one, like, he probably, outside of Justin Gaethje, had the best performance on that card. No, I saw that fight. He looked pretty good. Yeah, I, I saw him laying a beat down on John Morocco. It was surprising because I had he had not been on the radar. This was the fight that got him there. And uh, I thought uh, is, uh, he's one of uh, the you guys. Uh, you Valides. Guys, one of Valides. I know when he had the pro the the post fight, Bobby's like, "Oh shit, we got to see what Valide." Oh yeah, I didn't see that part. Valide was not good. The guy the guy spoke for like twenty minutes, and then Valide's like, "I will translate." I'm like, "No, you fucking won't. You can't remember any of that shit." It was a. It was a big win, though, for the man. Marcefon made a good point. John Moraga is not to be trifled with, huh? I mean, he's claiming, calling for a title shot. I don't, I'm not ready for that, but I think he's... Hey, it's a division that needs contenders, so... He's in the picture. It's nice to have yeah, a game rising. Um, yeah. Fight of the night. Corey Sandigan, Yuri Alcantara, Justin Gaethje, and Eric Anders with performance of the night. I would not... This is the time where I wish it was called KO of the night because Eric Anders' performance itself was not good. Um, the ending was good. Uh, all right, let's talk about some fucking hillbilly, 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 uh, fighting. 
So Mark and I last week, it started, I think, on Monday or so, where we started half talking ourselves into paying for the bare knuckle boxing. And then by Wednesday, we were just in. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I'm going to talk about the Fight TV app later on and stuff we like, because it's kind of cool, actually, to be honest. But um, this very much felt like a you're watching UFC like five, I would say, Mark, you know. We're a couple well, in. I mean, well, yeah, because because of the bare knuckle <laughs> aspect. Are you yeah. talking about the general? No, the general vibe, and also like any time anybody came to the cage, I kept telling you this guy looks like he has some SS tattoos. Well, like that I'll was that was that I'll, too. I'll the production value, obviously, a lot higher at uh, bare knuckle fighting championships. They got Ron Crunk in there. They got uh, Antonio Tarver, right? And then who is the other guy in the booth, Bob? I'm totally blanking on their name. It was the Bellator guy, Sean Wheelock, right? Sean Wheelock was in the house, yeah. Hey, I'm not going to throw those guys in and say this is, you know, C-minus production value. They, no, the production they, value was great. Yeah, I, I think when you look at the, you know, just the bare knuckle aspect of it does remind you of the old UFC days. And really what it was is that in the old UFC days, a lot of guys fucked up their fucking hands hitting with mm-hmm. their knuckles. And we saw that, I, I think... The biggest display with uh, Charles Bennett's fight. Yeah, that's, that was disappointing for us. We really wanted to see Crazy Horse do his. We're calling him Crazy Horse, folks. We're not calling him Felony Charles Bennett. Yeah. Right? He's and, Crazy Horse Bennett. And I think, I think his fight really shows what makes this type of boxing very different because, uh, you know, uh, Crazy Horse hurt his hand because of how he throws his hands in fights with wild abandonment, throwing full power. And when you have gloves on and you have your hands wrapped – you can do that and get away with it. I mean, you can still break your hand even with gloves. But when you're bare knuckle like this, and I think um, AJ Adams, who uh, fought and beat Joey Beltron, um, had a great post fight where he said, um, basically, uh, you can't throw a full power with bare knuckles. You have to throw. You have to throw a little bit lighter because you're going to fuck up your hands more than you're going to fuck up the other guy's face. And uh, AJ Adams against Joey Beltron looked great. I mean, that guy looked like a professional boxer. That was all too happy to have the rule set of bare knuckle fighting championship where he could dirty box, where he could punch in the clinch. Um, he could do a lot of things that he couldn't do in a regular boxing uh, ring. And he looked great. And I think, and what I like about this organization is I think it's giving an avenue for MMA fighters that are interested in boxing to try that out, but not within the regular format of boxing, which, which I actually. Uh, appreciate a lot more because you do hear about fighters like, yeah, I really want to try my hand in boxing. Five months down the line, it's like, oh yeah, this dude had a fight in boxing. Never fucking heard about it. Never heard about a peep. Never see those fights. I feel like this organization is ran like an MMA organization and it's giving these guys an easier avenue into trying their hand at boxing. I mean, it's very different. I mean, bare knuckle and even the rule set here, there was uh, it was five two-minute rounds and, uh, you know, I think the there was only one legitimate kind of knockout chris lytle came back from retirement oh jesus looked fucking fantastic well let's let's stop for a second here let's talk about the like we saw the guy chris lytle's fighting we saw chris lytle still has a goddamn six-pack and immediately that guy was fucked like um within three seconds right (laughs) yeah and i mean i think that watching this event um you kind of got the good the bad and the ugly and i think a lot of what you see in in this organization is going to be probably a lot of decisions when you have bare knuckles, you're not going to get the concussive kind of punches that you get in boxing and even MMA. Because like I said, if these guys throw really hard punches, there's a higher probability they're going to fuck up their hands than they're going to cause concussive damage to the opponent. What I think is even more likely is what we saw in the AJ Adams-Joey Beltron fight. 
where I expect we'll probably see a lot more doctor stop stoppages with cuts, uh, Joey Beltron's face was fucked up. And it wasn't even like his cuts were super deep. Dude had six cuts on his face because with bare knuckles, you're so much easier, uh, more prone to get uh, cuts open because of the, you know, bone on bone on skin kind of contact that these guys having. I think what we'd probably see in the long run of this organization is less kind of knockouts that we're kind of used to traditionally in boxing and in MMA and K1. Um, in more long fights, we're going to the decision, guys hurting their hands. There was multiple fights uh, in this or in this event that guys hurt their hands bad. Uh, the fight before Charles uh, Bennett, Crazy Horse, um, this guy, Dale Sapi, he obviously hurt his hands and he was throwing open hand strikes. And it's just, you're not going to be able to generate you have to be extremely skilled to be able to knock someone out with an open palm hand strike. You know, the Bass Rutans of the world's can. A lot of other people can't, especially when your knuckles are all messed up. So I think my, my big takeaway was this was a fun event. It wasn't the barn burner like I think the first one was, but it has an appeal because they are getting a lot of these MMA fighters. And admittedly, a lot of the ones are kind of over the hill. I don't think... Beck Rawlings really falls into that camp, but you're getting a lot of people that maybe have been dropped from the UFC, aren't top echelon guys, and you get to see them in a different combat sport, which I think is kind of exciting. Yeah, Beck Rawlings is the champion, defended her belt against a boxer. She looked good. Did a great her job. Hands, her hands looked good. Uh, fought Got a smart screwed fight. out of a knockdown, too. She clearly knocked yeah. uh, Hart down in a round and did not get credit Yeah, for and it. I think Hart had one of her family members as one of the judges because they gave every round to her. <laughs> that was very weird. Um... Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good time. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, just this, this event itself wasn't like a barn burner, but depending on matchups, like I think the next card is going to have Baroni and uh, Chris Lytle, which has not a weird, it's not Lytle, it's somebody else. Uh, Chris Lieben, sorry, Lieben, Lieben, yeah. And and that fight has a certain appeal. And if they can get some of these MMA fighters that I have somewhat of an infatuation with and are interested in seeing them, you know, throw hands. They could definitely get me to watch a couple of these events. It wasn't that bad. It was very – and you know what, Bobby? And this is what I'll say about the whole event. I loved the pacing of this fucking event. Oh, it was More great. of this. No How many fights did we watch? Like eight fights? It was like eight fights. It was done within three hours. It was just – and then going from this to watching the live television broadcast of a UFC card is just like drag me through the fucking deck. Yeah, if it wasn't for the main event, you would have left. 100%. Let's be honest. If it wasn't a fight yeah. that we were interested, you would have gone home and said, fuck this. Like, this is not worth our time. Um, yeah. I hope ESPN can chop this up a little bit. Yeah, it's the thing, the man. ESPN. Killing me. Yeah, ESPN's got, you know, actual shit to air, God willing. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, we paid 30 bucks. Eh. It, it, the price tag probably didn't, you know, I don't know if it equated to the amount of fun we had, but yeah. I mean, that's the fight game. You never, you know, this event could have been dynamite on paper and sometimes it turns out to be a dud. You just don't know. Um, I think it was worth the shot. I would be interested in watching more if the, uh, the card was to my liking, but it's not something that I'm, I'm so compelled with. I was like, Oh, I got to see every event. Yeah, I, I got to see I the thought... finale of this heavyweight tournament and all that kind of jazz. I thought Kendall Grove looked pretty good too. Oh, Kendall Grove looked great. There was a couple Kendall... standouts. I think Kendall Grove looked great. Chris Lytle, I think stole the show. Like this dude should go back to the UFC. Like he hasn't lost. a. Beat. Yeah. He looked, he looked just the same. He looked exactly the same. And we don't know if Tony Lopez fought. <laughs> Honestly. Hey, we still, is he alive? I don't know. We can't tell if fight didn't happen or not. So, yeah. Um, uh, at the risk of being a wet blanket, where was this held? Biloxi. Oh. Mississippi. Okay. More specifically, where in Biloxi? As in a we, Indian? We, we know the blocks. 
it was i think they got i think it was uh the commission was i think they actually got a commission there or something which i mean it's biloxi though oh so. we we got to see if we can find the uh pay rates for some of these guys because bobby doesn't think oh anyone okay. pulled more than five figures and i'm like I, I don't think anybody made more than 10 grand I don't think the math adds up for anybody to make more than ten grand on this event. I mean, there's what a couple of you're like this, these guys fine for five hundred dollars. Right? I'm like, no, Bobby, these guys. No, they're definitely. I, I I guarantee you, we watched them all make five hundred dollars. Like, come on, man. I need to see I, that commission paycheck. There's a come on, man. Um, all right. Um, let's talk a little bit. We got a some some news. Um, man, we got to go quick. Uh, we spent a lot of time on this shit. Uh, and uh, Tony Ferguson's got a fight, and he's gonna face Anthony Pettis, and that's awesome. It's on the it's on the Connor and Habib card, which is looking pretty fucking sweet. Just be straight about it. That card's looking pretty good now. Um, despite you guys realize what that fight is, right? Oh, it's insurance, baby. It's insurance, man. Yeah, every title. No, I thought I thought Kevin Lee's insurance because he's like not on a fight card. Can't have too much insurance with these three guys: Tony, Habib, and Connor. Well, I guess Connor's pretty. Connor's Connor's not pulling out, man. I mean, is Dana White really thinking this through? His insurance policy is the snake bitten Tony Ferguson. You just go on Instagram and look at Tony Ferguson lift weights. You're like, God, how is how is he in one piece at all? (laughs) Wait, you just can't surprise him and say hello in his blind spot. He might turn around too suddenly. Um, Amanda Nunes and Cyborg's going down end of the year. Um, I don't know why we're doing this. I mean, okay, I get, I know what we're doing. Oh, this. Yeah. I mean, well, let me be clear about this. There's nobody, there's nobody for Cyborg to fight. It's just, I don't know why Amanda Nunes is doing this. I'm, I'm sure she wants to have two belts, but well, I don't I know. Mean, let, 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 let's think unrealistically for a second. She beats Cyborg. That eclipse. That basically almost eclipses Ronda. In like what you're, if you can go. And beat the one woman that no one's able to beat. That's a big feather in your cap. I don't think it's gonna happen, but it'd be it'd be. Quite- I mean, I don't know. Cyborg's been doing this a long time, man. Where it's is possible but unlikely. The lady that knocked out Cyborg in that kickboxing match a few years ago. Oh, that's um, she's really good though. She's like a world champion. What was her name? Why aren't we going to sign her? Is all awesome. I would agree. Let's get her. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, let's, let's just do that. Let's have that go again. She, she dropped her a bunch of times in that fight, too. I don't even have a name. I am just unfortunately referring to her as her. But she sounds it's good. I won't kill her. Yeah, someone find, figure out this lady's name Um, while we're talking. Um, And some MMA history. Since we talked about the man himself. We only got one thing to talk about. Uh, One year ago today, I think. What the fuck did I say? Everybody it can't be today. What day is today? 26th, 27th? Well, it's a Monday. One year, it one, year, one year ago, on the 26th of August, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather went out there and got paid. Jolina Bars. There it is. Oh, she got the bars. Right. By the yeah, way, she's 29 bars. years old. She is in the prime of life to come knock out Cyborg again. Let's get her out here, guys. Um, yeah, a year ago, Conor and Floyd did the thing, and uh, we're still waiting on Conor to fight. We're still waiting on Nate Diaz to fight. A uh, belt got stripped. An interim champion didn't happen. Another interim champion got stripped. Um, a guy became champion by beating a number 11 guy. A lot of things happened. But you know what? Dude got paid. And uh, now he's back. So hopefully he sticks around for a little bit. And we got we didn't have to pay for it. Because UFC's website sucked. And we got our money back. So. Hey, hey, for Conor vs. Floyd. Hey, guys. 
Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it was an event, you know, I mean, it was the thing that seemed impossible that for literally for years, we were like, this shit is never going to happen. Oh, we and mocked it so much. And it totally <laughs> happened. Connor had him in that corner for a moment there, Steph. We got excited, remember? Hey, I talked. I, I don't know why you jumped on with me. I told you from the start, I'm going to talk myself into picking Connor. But, uh, <laughs> Bobby, you just want to believe I get it. That was supposed to be me dying on a hill alone, but thanks for the company. Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah. Um, the only other thing that I, before we get to 20 questions, there was that fight between the two YouTube kids. Oh, and the only yeah. part, the, the only part of that I want to bring up is that Ariel asked if anybody's going to this. And then Jimmy Manoa said his two daughters begged him to buy tickets. So Jimmy Manoa was sitting at the front row watching that abomination. And, there was like an active campaign of people trying to get Jimmy Manoa to get into the ring and beat both their asses. Yo, abomination or not, do you know the numbers that thing did? What? Take a guess. I'm not going to. I, okay. I, I <laughs> Take a like guess, Mark. It, uh, well, from what I read was that the YouTube stream, I I don't think it broke a million. And I think okay. it was be- it didn't break a million, but seven hundred fifty thousand buys is still pretty. It, it's really good, but but I it, what the article I read was that a fuck ton more people just watched it for free on Twitch because everyone was streaming that shit for free. The Twitch the Twitch staff was watching it. You see that article where you could see who's in a Twitch chat, who's who's who signed in, and it says like staff, well, and like see? ten people were watching it. That's the pr- problem when you got the Paul brothers and it's a bunch of millennials, little shit millennials that are your fans. They find workarounds. They go to Twitch to watch your shit. I mean, it was ten bucks. These kids could have added up. Yeah. Just saying. And, and I want to. I want to say this. I did. I, I didn't watch the whole fight. I did see highlights. And I have to say, like, I, I don't know much about Logan Paul. I know even less about KSI. Um, but those dudes trained. Like, dude, they can tell it. They put time in in the gym. Because look, at, I've seen a lot of tough man competitions. I've seen a lot of celebrity boxing competitions, and these guys put in work. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't fair for me to call. Pretty hard. I, I think Logan Paul definitely got tired. Um, dude's also just like so much bigger than KSI was. Like the size difference was pretty Wait, sizable. I thought, yeah, I mean, what, you know what? Also, I want to. Um, he won his fight, didn't he? He beat he some won other a, guy. He won he a previous fight because I watched one highlight video oh. where he TKO'd this guy, and I was like. Wait, I thought Bobby said this was a draw. And I was like, Wait, oh, I watched so it. So remember, fight. there's two of them. There's two of Jake them, yeah. Paul Drew, if I'm right. Which is the one dating Chloe Bennett? This one. This one, one yeah. Fought. What? Which one? The one who fought. Logan. They both fought. The, the older brother, Logan. Yeah, but Logan had another fight before. Yeah. With some other YouTube guy. And he I just want to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to put this out there real quickly before we talk over each other. I shouldn't have called it an abomination. They did train. It's just... And hell, I mean, I don't know. You, you, as uh, someone know who does know his reputation, fuck him. I don't care if he trained oh, or not. Okay, well, okay, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's shit. Yeah, well yeah. He's still a Stefan, yeah, he is are a, you just mad because he's stooping, uh, Chloe Bennett. No, he's mad because this kid well, went into the suicide he's forest. A piece of shit as a human, and it devalues her that she is with him. I think less of her for her taste in men. He went to the suicide forest and. Uh, you didn't see that shit of him just being yeah. crazy disrespectful to Japan. What do I, I mean, need that to was a little like Paul? Not the one, not the one that went to the suicide forest was Logan Paul, not Jake Paul. Paul is the one dating Chloe Bennett. No, they're bo- both Logan Paul's both those ones. I thought. No, no, man. The, man, who gives a fuck? It's the same person. You know what? I'm, different people. Mike, your internet's failing us. 
Two different people. Okay. Um, we've talked about this enough. Um, let's do. We got it, Mark. We're doing twenty questions, and I hope it's easy because we got to go quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I'll, 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 I'm giving you guys an easy one this week. It was my. I, I had an original one. I was like, oh, this shit's too easy. Um, but we'll go with this one. I think you can get it in ten. To be completely honest. All right. So we ready? Someone ask a question. Is it a lady fighter? It is not a lady fighter. Oh, by the way, we're guessing 20 questions to see if they can guess the fighter I'm thinking of. So it yeah. is not a lady fighter. Mark has never thought of a lady fighter thus far. This yeah, segment has been sex. very I, I, I've thought about it, but it's very much like a guess who. It's like when you get lady, like if you get is a woman, it's like, yeah, it's like, well, it's five people. Then it's just... is, is he an active fighter? Uh, no. Has he ever held a championship in a major promotion? Yes. Is, is he American? <laughs> Mike, your internet oh, tapped out. Because Mike's internet tapped out. Is he American? Uh, it, it, Mike, shut up. Is he American? No. Has he fought in the UFC post UFC 100? Uh, no. That's five. Okay. Can we try to figure out where he was a champion next? Yeah. yeah. Uh, was he a champion at the UFC? Bobby, <laughs> okay, was he a champion in the UFC? Mike asked, yes. Was he a champion above 185 pounds? Uh, no. Okay, he was thinking that enough that makes me think he was a 185 pound champion. But I was right. also thinking of that. Yeah. Well, how many questions are we at? What seven? Doing good. We only have three more to get this based on Mark. What, what did he say to the American question? So He's not he's American. American. He's not American. Uh, he's, so not a champion at either, he's a champion at either 185 or lower. You said you you asked if he fought after UFC 100, right, Bobby? Yeah, he's, he didn't. So that means that since he fought before UFC 100, um, that means he's not... 135, 125, or 145. So we nice. only got three divisions. Good thing. And, and, and he's not an American. He's not an American. I need a question now, though. Okay. Um, did he fight in Pride also? Uh, he did fight in Pride. Is he black? Hmm. He is black. Okay. I think it's Carlos Newton. Can someone want to do the one over? You don't want to ask him? <laughs> How many questions are we at? We're at nine right now. Mm -hmm. um, me I have one question that can truly cement if it's Carlos Newton. Okay. Go ahead, right. Mike. Um, was his post-fight celebration... Uh, uh, was it a... a oh, fuck. Hold on. It's Kamehameha. He yells it. There we go. What a Kamehameha wave. Yes. Okay. Was, is, it, is it Carlos Newton? Yes. And you could have got it in 10 if you would have just yet. Got an eleven I, though. That was uh, in my one. in my head. I started going through champions. I'm like, wait, what'd you say? You said he wasn't an American. Yeah, he wasn't. Where an the hell's Car Carlos? Where the hell's Where the hell's Where the hell's Carlos? Oh, okay, that was uh, all right. Fair okay. enough. Yeah. America's hat. I, I was going through my head. I'm just like, all right, lightweight. I'm like, Jens Pulver. So it can't be Jens Pulver. Can't be BJ Penn. You know, I'm just going through lightweight champions. Like it's not them. And then I'm like welterweight. I'm like. It's got to be Carlos Newton. Uh -huh. before, Good job, guys. Before Mark gives a short summary history of who the man Carlos Newton was, I have a story to share because I never forget it. And it's what I always think of when the man's name comes up. I loved him as a fighter, but we used to go to Berkeley all the time growing up. 
and we used to always park in the same parking garage. Yep. There was always this old UFC poster. I don't remember what event was, but I know it had Carmen Electra on it as a ring girl. And next to her was Carlos Newton in his fight gear. Carlos Newton was not wearing a cup in this. Mm-hmm. No, he wasn't. And man, did that thing wrap around his leg. And just seeing that poster every time we went to this garage, as a child, I would always think to myself, this is not an appropriate poster to be just plastered across this central lobby area of this garage. This man Carl- is stacked. Carl- Carlos Newton was the one that lost from Blackout Powerbomb, right? Yeah, the, I was going to uh, say Mark- Matt-, Matt Hughes. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, Marcus. Why don't you tell us more about a man who's known for? He should be known for more than just getting a triangle choke on Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes passing out and powerbombing him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Carlos Newton was a very early practitioner in mixed martial arts. He made his UFC debut at uh, UFC 17, where they had a little mini tournament. He ended up losing a really close decision to you know all, all Hall of Fame great uh, Dan Henderson. He had a good stint in Pride, where he de- debuted against Sakuraba. Which in the early days of Pride, um, Sakuraba and Carlos Newton is o- often referred to as one of the best fights, and and we shouldn't even really say fight; it was mostly a grappling match, but a really entertaining one at that. Um, probably my favorite Carlos Newton fight is where he fought Jose uh, Pele Landi, where they had j- uh, again back in the early days of Pride, they call it the seven best minutes of MMA fighting. These guys were scrapping back and forth; they were on the ground, uh, changing positions. At one point, I mean, you really have to know who Jose Pele Landi was. I mean, this dude was a fucking killer in IVC, um, one of the legends. He nailed Carlos Newton with one of the most beautiful knees I've ever seen in my entire life. It shook Carlos to the core. He shook it off for a second, gave Pele a thumbs up, and they went right back to it. Yeah, Marcus, that is still one of the hardest goddamn knees I think I've ever – like, you heard that shit echo. Yeah, was it's astonishing Carlos didn't get knocked out. Um, he was able to, to to rally back in that fight and win by armbar. Um, like Mike alluded to, he had another stint in the UFC where he was able to get a really kind of unique, what they call the bulldog choke or a headlock choke on Pat Militich to gain the uh, UFC welterweight di- uh, division belt. He then fought Matt Hughes in a uh, you know one of the classic uh, results of a fight. Carlos had him in a triangle. Matt Hughes had actually posted him, like basically carried him up against the cage in a uh, powerbomb-like position. Uh, Carlos Newton actually um, choked Matt Hughes unconscious. Matt Hughes fell to the ground, powerbombing, you know, inadvertently uh, Carlos Newton, which knocked him out. Um, when they kind of were separating the fi- fighters, Matt Hughes was the first one to kind of gain consciousness. Uh, John McCarthy gave him the He belt. did not know he was oh, the welterweight no champion. He just woke up. He's like, what? Uh, oh, I won. Okay, very cool. <laughs> Um, that they, bulldog, that bulldog choke though, he got a uh, pat with was so goddamn sick though. It was very slick, and you can tell just <laughs> Pat was beating himself up for getting caught in that one. Um, and, and then you know Carlos continued to fight. Um, he was in the Bushido uh, series in Pride. Um, he later went on to coach in the IFL. It, it was in those IFL years, and even really in the in the Bushido de, uh, Bushito days, um, he kind of lost a step, and you know he. Couldn't make the lower weight divisions. He ended up fighting at 85 and even had a hard time making weight there. And, you know, the skill set slowly left him. But, um, you know, he'll always be remembered for me and Steph, you know, as someone that really pioneered the early days of the UFC and pride was really kind of a showman. Like Mike alluded to when he would win a fight, he would do a big Kamehameha. He uh, spoke Japanese. So when he won in pride, dude's fucking cracking jokes. Everyone's having a good time. Uh, he, w- he was really just, I mean, for me and I think Steph and a lot of people, he was a fan favorite early on. 
Um, and I just love the, the way he fought, his style, um, you know, his jujitsu base. He was just, he was a really fun guy to watch. So big ups to Carlos. Yeah, big ups in G indeed. Um, I just want to say, um, if you guys have never seen the man fight, you should look up Jose Pele Landy Johns. Cause no, he has some great guy, highlights. That that's guys. That guy fought. He fought Chuck in IVC, didn't he? Or am I, or am I making love somebody else? He did fight Chuck. He he almost he he caught Chuck with a high kick early on and almost yeah. won that fight. Chuck way too big. Just Chuck was punching him through the fucking like rope and net thing. It I was, really uh, I I couldn't recommend looking up a highlight reel because not only does he have some great knockouts, but he did some fucking kooky shit. There was one time this guy shot on him, so he sprawled out. Right, so. The guy has his arms outstretched. The back of his head is right where uh, Jose's groin area is. And Jose takes it upon himself to give some thrust into the back of his head. There was mm-hmm. one point where he was beating a guy so bad that he crawled outside of the ring. And the announcer is just like, what? I can't. Be- He's crawling outside of the ring, which also reminds me, Bob, we should probably hit a- upon that boxer that just fucking walked out over the weekend because that oh. shit was hilarious. The, was, I'm sure people have crazy. seen this thing. The guy just decided he wasn't getting paid enough for this shit, and he just the bell rang. He left. Like, he just walked back up the entrance ramp. With real estate, it's location, location, location. With comedy, it's timing. And it's when he chose to walk out. Right when the, he he walked out on the entrance, they announced his name. It's right when the bell was rung. He's like, nope, I'm out now. He made a big scene of it. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, I like his reasoning was uh, he wasn't getting enough respect. And this was the move that was finally going to help him realize his dream. Now he's the most respected boxer in the sport. He he realizes he's probably never going to be able to fight again. This is boxing, man. Don't let him fight again. Go, he'll join Bare Knuckle. He'll be fine. Ooh, okay. he'll get, he'll get, Mark, Mark, Mark thinks they're all making, they're all getting paid anyway in Bare Knuckle. It'll be getting great. Paid, I'm telling <laughs> you, getting paid big time in Bare Knuckle. Um, let's do uh, stuff we like. Um, I'll, I'll lead off. Um, this is kind of a two-part thing. Mark can chime in on the fight app thing. So Mark and I got our first experience with the fight app or fight TV app, which I was a little familiar with going into. I never used before, but it is honestly um, pretty goddamn cool. It's kind of like a um, – it's an it's just a, it works for Roku, Chromecast, Apple TV, all that shit. It's a – place where people show their combat sports and you know including pro wrestling and that um events and they do free events and they do um pay-per-views too and then you should pretty much just you know you can pick an event this event costs 10 bucks this event costs 20 bucks this event costs 30 bucks and it just it works it kind of is like a it's one of those things where like if you're running like a small promotion it's a pretty cool way for you to get your um get your shit out there and um it generally worked pretty well marcus we had like a couple lapses here and there during a live event, which I was just like, yeah, it's okay. But overall, I was pretty impressed with the app in general. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a really cool thing. If I mean, if you're really into regional MMA, um, I, I think it kind of hurts. Or boxing, it, or, or indie boxing, wrestling. Or, 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 I mean, I, I think Bobby, you said like it, this is really used for the indie wrestling circuit. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I really, if you're an MMA fan and you're just jonesing for fights i think you, your your money goes a little bit longer with fight pass because they have so many of these smaller organizations also showing the fights but like if you're in bumblefuck and your cousin has a fight you can't make it to the event it, there's a good chance that this app will host it so you can still watch it. and i think for that regard it's really cool and if 
for some reason you caught on to some guy in the regional organization, you know, I think this is an avenue where you can watch some of those fights. Um, you know, some of the prices on the events are a little high for, you know, what we would consider to be kind of no name. You know, we don't know who any of these fighters are. I mean, yeah, we paid 30 bucks. We paid 30 bucks for a bare knuckle event. I mean, what's, you know, a little that's pricey, but... a lot of the fighters too. Yeah. So, I mean, there's some of these events where it's like 20 bucks and I don't know who any of these guys are. I think it's kind of a tough sell, but I think it, like, like you mentioned, Bobby, it's just a good platform that these smaller organizations have an avenue where they can try to reach more people than, I mean, really a lot of these shows might as well just be burners in a gym because you're going to get maybe a hundred, 200 people in the audience. And those are the only people that are ever going to see this thing happen. I think it's cool that there is a kind of open platform that they can, they can stream their content to. So yeah. And you know, and they seem pretty generous. We did have to pay the full 30 bucks, but I think Bobby, you said we got like, we got 15, we got, we got a $15 credit because somebody referred us. And then because we paid for our first event, what cost 30 bucks. I now have a $45 credit. Yeah. So I mean, Which they, as long, that's good, pretty cool. It's good retention kind of business thing to give the customer a good amount of money after they because I mean, look, if we were only in there to really watch one event. We have $45 in credit. We're probably going to use that credit to watch other things. And if we get more credit off of that or it pays half price for the next one, you know, it, it's a good business model. I think they have a decent thing going here. You know, if the service can sustain itself, if it can get enough events that are worth the money, you know, time will tell. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I was I heard about it for a while. I was excited to use it. Uh, I just real quickly um, related to Fight TV. I'm going to talk real quickly about uh, All In. It's happening this Saturday, which I'm actually really excited for. Um, just to give you a brief idea of what this is exactly, about a year and a half ago, um, uh, Dave Meltzer, who writes for MMA Fighting and is a much bigger deal in the wrestling scene, some fan asked him, do you think that anybody, do you think that uh, somebody could run a, they asked specifically about the promotion Ring of Honor, a pro wrestling promotion. Do you think they could sell out a 10,000 seat arena? And Dave said, no, it's not really possible. You know, there's no promotions big enough for that. And then uh, Cody Rhodes, um, an independent wrestler, said he would take that bet. And then uh, they kind of fucking did it. Cody Rhodes and this tag team known as the Young Bucks rented out the um, the Sears Center in Chicago 10,000 seat arena and um they sold it out in 30 minutes and they're putting on the largest independent wrestling show that ever was and it's just kind of cool to see them do that is really what it is people are supporting it and more so just like they sold it out with no matches announced and no card at all nobody knowing what's on it and they just did it based on faith in these guys and being believing in them and then putting on a product you know different from something on the mainstream which is pretty cool so i'm excited for it i'm happy to support it because i think it's great you know, independent wrestling is kind of what you want regional MMA to be at this point. You know, I showed you guys the video of Matt Riddle talking about how he's able to, like, pay for his life and his family and all that stuff. Just being an independent wrestler, let alone a WWE wrestler. It's kind of what you want independent MMA to be. Shit, you want pro MMA to be like that, too, with, like, the UFC. People can pay to live their lives and stuff. And I'm excited for it. I really could give a shit about a lot of the, a lot of the matches about, like, I mean, you know, it's cool to see Kenny Omega always. And, you know, him and Pentagon will be a good time. And... Okada is going to fight in the U.S., and that's always, I mean, wrestle, not fight. And, you know, it's going to be a good time, and Rey Mysterio's in there, and the guy from Arrow is going to wrestle a match one-on-one, -on -one, which I'm kind of curious to see. It's a, kind of a tall order. Normally try to hide these celebrities in tag matches. But it's just really cool that they're doing it, and um, if you want to watch it, if you're a wrestling fan that gives a shit about these guys, you probably will. Um, they're, it's going to be um, on the Fight app, the Fight TV app. 40 bucks. It's a bit much to ask, but uh, I kind of I kind of just believe in what they're doing. 
So I'm excited to see what they do with it. And uh, old man Billy Gunn's going to be out there. Which, Billy Gunn was old when we were kids. Like, <laughs> Billy Gunn was always about 10 years older than you thought he was. So he's going to go out there and try to do his thing too. So yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, I'll go. Marcus. Oh, oh sorry, Seth. Um, I'll, say, uh, I'll go because I feel like uh, you guys might comment on some of the things I was going to mention. Um, Content-wise, I didn't have much new. I caught up on a, a Attack on Titan, and uh, I beat God of War, which Mark lent to me. Absolutely awesome, fantastic Ooh. game. Can we do a little spoiler? I got to ask you a question. You didn't, I told you to fucking text me when you finished, and you didn't text me. Did you go back home? No. Go back home. You haven't no. finished the game yet. Go back home. Oh, okay. Then there's more to do? I mean, there, there's, there's like, know. side quests to do I, that I... I, I like skipped because I just you gotta get you haven't gotten your Marvel uh, MCU ending yet. Okay, okay, uh, all right. Before I return it to you, um, but I did want to use this uh, platform to comment on kind of three stories that caught my eye. Um, one is unfortunately a negative story, but um, he was one of my favorite fighters. I really like this guy, uh, Norfumi Kid Yamamoto. He announced that he's battling cancer right now. Oh, um, I didn't know that. So I just want to put it Sorry. out there that. You know, cancer fucking sucks, and I hope he can beat this. Um, super entertaining fighter. We had a chance to meet him. Uh, he initially didn't want to take a photo with us, but uh, when we pointed out that Mark and I were the ones who were carrying the Kid Yamamoto chant the whole time for him, uh, he relented, and we got a chance to meet him. But um, cancer always sucks, so I hope this is a fight uh, that Kid Yamamoto can win in vintage style and uh, give that goddamn disease a KO. Um, so good luck to Kid Yamamoto. Um, also, happy trails to uh, Emmanuel David Ginobili, um, Manu Ginobili for you American folk, but uh, retiring after 16 years, all played with the Spurs, one of the most entertaining basketball players of my lifetime, um, love the dude, he deserves so much respect for winning a gold medal uh, with Argentina in the FIBA World Championships, which they eliminated the United States, the great big basketball monster to do so. Um, that galvanized the U.S. to actually start sending their good pros, and it, it made the good pros actually give a damn because they saw that they could be beat by an international country. Uh, a player from Argentina that made the Eurostep famous, um, consummate professional, and just one of the most entertaining basketball players. And you never see players like start and finish their pro careers with one team anymore. Um, so he's a throwback to um good days and one I, I think you guys might all have opinions on um i want to wish the most profound rest in peace to senator john mccain um somewhat ironic because he was always a staunch opponent of mma um he, he did not care for the sport and he would probably care even less for this bare knuckle boxing that bobby and mark have been going on about but, um, you know, he was a Republican. He was opposite on the opposite side of the table with me on a lot of things. But I think he represents a lot of what is great with America and what a lot of us forget in these polarized times. Um, at the end of the day, ultimately, Democrats and Republicans, for the most part, are moderate. Um, they are very closely aligned. They're not that much different. You know, I might have disagreed with things that McCain stood for, but I always respected him. I always felt like he was a man of principle. You know, if the worst thing I have to say about him is that he, that MMA was not to his taste, you know, it goes to a point I always make that MMA is a niche sport because it's not for everyone. It is too violent for a great deal of people. Should it be illegal? I, mean, I didn't think so, but, you know. I mean, he also, I mean, 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. The you know, rest in peace, the man. But I mean, he was taking money from the boxing lobby too. You have to. Yes, he was a man. boxing. Lobby. I mean, I mean, let's be clear. I mean, look, look, that's fine. You do what you got to do. It's a lobbyist situation. But like, it wasn't just that he viewed it as violent. It was just like, hey, man. You know. I'm old and I like <laughs> boxing more. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just you know, I always say this where like, um, you can I I I'm not shit on the president, but like, I always say, uh, I always believe every president we've ever had up until this one did the things he did because he honestly believed what he was doing was right for the country, whether I agreed with those actions or not, or different, you know, or you know, not necessarily relevant as much as they thought they were doing what's best for the country guy right now thinks he's doing stuff for himself but um mccain was a public servant and he served and you know what you he's a hero he's a war hero yeah and he served our country so, too right like yeah, i, I yeah. think there's and served in the military served in congress he did he was at service for almost his entire goddamn adult life yeah i think the last couple of years he definitely kind of turned around and like stefan was saying became more of a moderate right like he would meet people in the aisle right like he seemed like a person that you know was a republican but maybe you could turn him but you know it, it doesn't mean the guy was a saint um you know he definitely had done stuff in his past that was questionable or whatever but you know i, I think bobby said it you know really well he was a public servant he served not just the you know the american public but he he, he served our country you know in fighting um you know in our wars so that always gives you know because i'm not fucking doing that shit so you do that shit you get a big old thumbs up for mark you're a fucking hero but uh yeah i mean and you know he, he fought the hard fight and uh you know just couldn't do it anymore steph you got anything else um those are the big ones for me yeah um this is neither here nor there but did anybody else watch disenchanted or disenchantment or whatever it's called. I've been so close, Bobby. Well, I, mean, yeah, so I, I still have my stuff we like to do. So I know, no, 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 oh, no I know. We're, we're, no, we're coming back. We're coming back to both you and Mark. I just we're gonna save the. You want to talk about that? I finished it. You finished it? Uh, no, not yet. I've actually only watched like two episodes of it. So actually, you might might be better suited to doing that. No, it's good. Do you want to hold this off for see if anybody else watches it, or fuck it? Should we talk about it this week when you, yeah, you want to do that? Wait, like a week or two. I mean, it's a Simpsons product, so. What is yeah. this? It's from Matt Groening. Oh, it's the one that kind of vaguely looks like Game of Thrones from the handful of photos things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's fantasy, but it's you know the Futurama, the Simpsons people. It's Groening and uh, the other guy. Yeah. Uh, I forgot his name. But uh, um, one more thing about John McCain. I know it's probably been said a lot, but I think this is probably one of the things that spoke the most about his character when he was first abducted. I'm not abducted. When he was first shot down and it was a POW, he had a chance to get out of there relatively early as the son of the great Admiral John McCain Jr. And he said that he would not leave if everyone else wasn't able to leave as well. And he wouldn't leave until there were no more POWs. And man, man of his word, he ended up doing that. So big ups to John McCain. Rest in peace to him and thoughts and prayers to his family. For sure. Right on. Agreed. Um, for me, my stuff uh, that I like this week, it's, uh, it's a few things. Uh, one of them's already been touched on. One of them is the absurdity of the guy who left the boxing ring right when the fight started. That was classic. That was <laughs> great. That's a level of pettiness and just trollness that I can get with. That is, that is Tom Petty. That's Petty LaBelle. That's all the petties you can think of. Uh, the other two, uh, one of them is this uh, movie on Netflix that I kind of stumbled upon called 
flavors of youth. It's um, I think it's coming from a Chinese uh, studio that it, they've dubbed it to a bunch of different languages. It's basically three short stories on these three different people that reminisce on certain decisions that they made when they were kids and how it affects them now. Uh, it's only about an hour, 15 minutes long, and, and I thought it was very touching and actually just a very nice, easy watch on a, on a Saturday afternoon as I was cleaning. And the third one that I think we'll probably touch on more maybe in a week or two is Disenchantment. So far, I'm two episodes in. And I really enjoy it. Oh, Bobby doesn't like it so far. Two episodes in? Yeah, two episodes in. Two episodes in, I was done. I didn't want to watch anymore. Then I would have read a review that said it gets good after a couple episodes. Or it gets better. Well, I have a very we can we'll talk about it. I'm I watched the whole first season. This is gonna be I'm gonna say this without any spoilers. I feel there's too much story. From episode, I, you know, it's, I, I like that. Like Simpsons episodes, the Futurama episodes, I don't have to watch them in order. They're very self-contained. That's what you like. You know what I mean? I kind of there's like a whole plot in this thing. I don't dig anyway. Well, maybe, maybe Matt Groening isn't just trying to make another Simpsons. Like maybe he's yeah. not just trying to make the Simpsons in medieval times. It kind of looked like he was. Oh well, because he half tried to. Uh, Mark, what do you got this week? Uh, yeah, I got a couple things. So. Whew. Uh, I'll just talk about the games that were announced and coming out, right? Um, and actually, I picked up a game that I kind of wanted to talk about. Um, so we've been doing a lot of pro wrestling talk, and I'm going to continue that with some video game pro wrestling talk. Um, first, with a uh, we're going to get to that. First, I, I want to <laughs> talk touch upon. I pulled the trigger on getting WWE 2K18 for the Switch, and I knew it was supposed to be a really bad port. Um, that had been the word on the street. Um, but I also read that it was really bad when you had more than two wrestlers at a time. So I was like, you know, I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one matches. I'll, I'll get my money's worth there. I'll say in portable mode, it really runs bad even with one-on-one. -on -one. Um, however, I enjoy those games so much that even though it is running really bad, I've kind of gotten used to it. And I'm actually thoroughly enjoying my time with it because um, I really uh, enjoy the, the 2K series. Um, but there is a pro wrestling series that I have uh, much more fondness with, that I love even more, that I have been um, following and a part of for much longer, and that is the Fire Pro Wrestling series, which, um, as you're listening to this, is getting its official um, North American release for PS4 and is officially coming out on PC. I fell in love with Fire Pro when I was in middle school, and I had... You know, this is the time internet piracy was its so easy. It was foolish not to take uh, advantage of it at the time. And I had gotten a bunch of Super Nintendo ROMs and was just playing all the wrestling games, even the ones from Japan. And during those uh, during when I was playing those games, I fell upon Fire Pro Wrestling Premium X, which is for the Super Nintendo. And, um, you know, probably one of their better games of the whole series, which started in 89. Um, from there... I imported Fire Wrestling G for the PlayStation 1. I imported Fire Wrestling uh, D for Dreamcast. Um, it had, the Fire Pro Wrestling series is really interesting because it is a Japanese uh, developed game. And I think one of the biggest kind of draws, at least for me, um, was that they weren't a licensed product. So instead, what they did in Japan was they basically created all of the popular wrestlers from new japan from all japan from wwe wcw from luchadors from pancrase to pride k1 
it was just a smorgasbord of everyone that was in pro wrestling or even fucking combat sports at that time. And what they had besides that anchor, that's kind of one of the pillars. The main pillar is its gameplay is just fantastic. It is extremely easy to understand how to play and it's very difficult to kind of master it's one of those easy to pick up tough to master and i'm not going to go into all the details of you know how the game functions and stuff but it is a very accurate simulation game and that's another one of the pillars so you have this great roster you have fantastic gameplay and the last pillar and maybe the most important is that i'm not totally positive about this but i believe fire pro is the first wrestling game maybe game in general where you're able to create your own wrestler and that has obviously expanded, as you would imagine, having a roster that consisted of all the popular wrestlers at the time. They had all the moves from the popular wrestlers. So you could also create any wrestler that you wanted. The um, creator wrestler was extremely robust, even in today's day and age. The amount of options you had to how they looked, the amount of options they have with moves was, even back in the day, was insane. And now it's just, Bobby, there's literally like, 12 different Hurricane Ranas. What kind of animation of Hurricane Rana do you want? Do you want where he stalls for a second before he goes into Hurricane Rana? Do you want him to go into a pin? The amount of variations they have on all the moves was just fantastic. So what we're getting now is a game that is finally, I can't stress how difficult it used to be back in the day, is enabled you to download other people's wrestlers very easily. Although from what I've seen online, it's still cumbersome to be able to put them in your roster to actually utilize them in the game. It seems like that process should have been easier, but we don't need to get into that. Um, but yeah, essentially, Fire Pro has been a really long-running series, and what a lot of people don't know is the last game they released was basically it being put to the graveyard. They made a game for Xbox 360 that wasn't Fire Pro at all. The developers made it. They called it Fire Pro, and it was a game that you would use your Xbox avatar to wrestle against other avatars in a fucking travesty that they threw the fire pro wrestling name on that it basically almost buried the franchise and when a couple years ago they announced that they were making a return to the old school fire pro wrestling you know it was it was a reincarnation of that series i'm so glad because it's something that's near and dear to my heart so it's yeah it's coming out on ps4 you're going to be able to download other people's creator wrestlers uh ring aprons uh different uh title belts and uh, just to let, I know Bobby wants to chime in. The last little thing I'll, I'll really say that's really interesting about this game that even other wrestling games don't do, at least I'm not sure, is you can you pro you can program the AI of your creator wrestler so people that are super into this shit can basically go in and uh, I'm going to create an AJ Styles. So what does AJ Styles do? He starts with these moves, he builds up to these ones, and then when the guy's in this state, he'll always go for the finisher. He'll go for the submission. And it, it is so impressive to such a degree that a lot of the community doesn't even actually play the game. They just love pro wrestling. So they download all of these really master craft uh, creator wrestlers, set the difficulty to pro or the highest difficulty in the game, and they just simulate matches. And they make leagues, and they create little storylines in their head and run all these things. So it's just it's a series that I've been fascinated with for um, for years now. And I'm, I'm really excited that it's coming to a current console and that it might actually garner some more of the American audience that really isn't too aware of the franchise. I'm excited. I'm waiting for Mark to buy and tell me if it's good, though. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I, want you to buy, I want to figure out, I want you to wait until there's enough wrestlers uh, that you can download, that their quality, that they I mean, have. Kenny's in the game, though, right? Kenny Omega's in the damn game. He's yeah, in the commercial. Makoto Abushi's in the game. What's really, and talk about this actual new game. It actually is licensed this time. It's licensed from New Japan. So they have all of the New Japan guys officially um, with their move sets. 
And um, one of the things that hasn't always been a part of the franchise, but there's been some installments that had uh, that had it. Um, this has a fighting road mode, which is basically a single player mode where you create a wrestler as what they call in New Japan, the rookies. They wear black shorts and black tights and you actually build yourself up in the organization. You can join the different uh, factions. I don't know how good that mode is, but um, Fire Pro Wrestling G, the one on PlayStation, which was the first one I officially bought, um, had I never got to play it. I just read it uh, translated. Sounded like one of the most awesome story modes because you start in Japan and depending on how you answer questions or how you build your character, if they're like a strong style or they're a power style, you can end up going to the States and going into WCW and fighting Bill Goldberg and shit like that. And it was just like, as a kid, it was like, fuck, I, I, I love this so much that it infuriates me that I can't get the full enjoyment because there's a language barrier here. So to have it in English is a godsend. Um, it's only been this incarnation of Fire Pro. There's only been three versions of it that have been in the States. Two of them were for Game Boy Advance. So you, as you would imagine, they've been very stinted. The only real version that we got in the States was called Fire Pro Wrestling Returns on PlayStation 2. Fucking masterpiece. Um, if you have a PS3, you can also download it there. If you have the wherewithal, you can go online and download other people's creator wrestlers and import them into your system. It's much more difficult with the PS2. You need a certain pro action replay that has this memory card feature to do it. In PS3, it's a little bit easier. You can put the saves on a USB card. Um, but yeah, it's just a series that I've been super infatuated with forever. And I'm sorry I talked as long as I have, but I get excited about Fire Pro. I'm so glad that it's here. Yeah, I'm excited That's too. Rollback right there. He just said a pro action replay. Yeah, Fire Pro. Yeah. Fire Pro is awesome, Mike. Holy if, shit! Uh, I hope, I hope it comes out. Um, before we go, I just want to say one thing. Uh, next week is episode three hundred. Well, goddamn! We, and we're we've been gonna, doing this. We we've been doing this. Blow it up, son. Yeah, we're we've been, we've been doing this for six and a half years. We started in March two thousand twelve. Um, it wasn't good. Well, I mean, <laughs> no, no, I, I can I can say this objectively. I think we do a good job. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I listen. I listen. You can say subjectively. I can say objectively. That first podcast, that first episode was god awful. Dude, the first like fifteen are terrible. Oh. Um, we yeah, kind of started hitting our stride. We got our vibe. I mean, hell, even this episode, we had issues and we were talking over each other because internet issues. But hell, man, you can blame you know fucking Time Warner for that and Comcast and Waze and all those people. It's actually um, optimum over here. Okay. Um, I. I like doing this. These are my friends. So I'm going to keep doing it. But time. we're doing it. We're episode 300 next week. Uh, Steph had to duck out because his dog was freaking out. But um, we'll be back next week. I don't know what we can do, honestly. Oh. Um, because we're going to do some we stuff. It's going to be excited. Uh, Marcus is really promising things here. Um, Bobby, when, when, we always promise things. You don't have to deliver. Just make Well, I think, I think what we do. We, normally, we just do like a longer episode, which... We kind of try to avoid these days, but quite frankly, we have a pretty good card to pick next week. Um, so that's going to take some time. I'm going to babble about all in. Mark's going to babble about Fire Pro. This, you know, we'll talk about Disenchanted. These are the things that are going to happen. Maybe we'll talk about, uh, I don't even know what. So um, we'll be back. Um, thank you all for listening. We'll, talk, we'll say it. I'll say it again next week. We really, we would do this if we had no listeners, but though at this point, we'd be pretty discouraged if it's at zero. It's a lot cooler. We've been doing, some people it's a lot cooler. We like all of you that uh, respond to us on Twitter, send in stuff on, you know, it's an amazing Gmail account. Uh, we have an Instagram account now. Um, 
you know it's but, things are happening but we've had an instagram account for a while yeah we i'm doing stuff on it now instagram account um yeah yeah, Thank you all for listening. Awesome. We'll be back. Insane. Yeah. We're we're gonna be back next week. Um watch this enchanted so when I shit on it next week, you'll know why. We'll Peace out. a couple episodes in. <laughs> yeah. See you guys. Yeah. Michael's microphone isn't muted. He's just making noise.